Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. What are your goals? And I'm not talking about your laundry list of 25 things. What are your top five? And then what's what's the what's the front runner? Because when you have goals, you have a filing system for all that information. Your mind, anyone's mind is a messy place. Mine messier than most, but everybody's mind is a messy place, and everyone's life is a messy place, no matter how pretty and neat we try to make it look. So what are your goals? And then notice, and you will, you'll almost notice, uh, and, and p- some people see, some people feel, some people sense, you'll almost notice a string of, oh wait, this addresses this, oh wait, that addresses this. Write it down. I know n- nobody knows how to write anymore, but put it in your iPhone, you know. And And what you'll find if you review it periodically, is that you'll find that you really have a body of information, a map, a future-looking map to be able to follow. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. And what is the dark side? The dark side is, it's like the shadow of us. And it's where our power is. Like we, the light stuff we know, everyone sees it. It's what we show. But the dark is where the painful power is. And I think that when people say something to me like, you're such a bitch, I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Because then you don't, and especially when you're in a new age market. Right. Where everyone's supposed to be sunshine and light. It really up underrepresents for people the fact that we all suffer, we all envy. We've all been people we don't want to meet in a dark alley. And 
I think it's an impossible burden we put on people who are already so burdened, especially people your age who've encountered one step removed a lot of the difficult things, but it hasn't hit them yet. And you don't realize it's all survivable. But it's not survivable without like blood and guts and misery and, you know, and that's what communities for. Yeah. So we started this chat because you saw the cards that are here on the table. Yes. And you said the cards are too mushy. Like you need some devil. But like tell me what those cards would even look like. Like what would they say? They would say envy. I see. You know, it's okay. Yes. You're dealing with envy, uh, greed, um, control, or something that says, you know what? If they draw first, it's okay to aim to kill. Like we really, we yes. don't give, we don't give permission. And of course, people are the same. So people are having the same feelings. They are going to aim to kill because we're survivors, but they're not going to cop to it. And so what we end up with is this prettified society instead of people who just show their boundaries and also show their love and their gifts. And are able to share those gifts because their boundaries are intact. Yeah. I've worked hard on boundaries. Psychics are not naturally, you know, my students always say to me, they say, okay, let's, could you talk about grounding and boundaries? And I'm like, no, that would be a disservice to you, but I will have a therapist come on and do it, you know, <laughs> or I will have a publicist come on and do it. I'll have somebody who knows about it come on and do it because we don't have to be everything. And that's such a bad message that we have to be everything. Mm. Can we start with when you realize, because you said psychics aren't always great at, at understanding those boundaries or knowing to put them in place. Was this something that you felt since you were a little girl? Has this been a part of your life your whole life? The intuitive, the childhood intuitive brain, because as children, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be getting to know life. The childhood intuitive brain develops because of trauma. I had a wonderful, magical, manic depressive mother who you had to remind to put on her marameco dress before walking out of the house. I had a violent, abusive father who is now my responsibility at 92 to take care of, which is a really interesting balancing the dark and the light. I have two siblings who've suicided. My mother suicided. So I'm three a, people in your family. More than three people. I'm not even doing uncles and uh, and right. aunts, but. I was born with a unique brain, and the unique brain is an ADHD brain. Not all ADHD brains get to use their intuition. Um, the unique brain is a little bit of a CZ brain. Um, so I was born with a unique brain, and normally when you're born with brains like mine, you become finger painters. You know, you don't have the executive function to function. But luckily, I was an oldest child. And so I really was able to access instructions. I used my defective brain, my defective neurology, adaptively to survive. Oh. And it was a blessing for me. I really think it's the reason I survived my family. As I got older, I didn't realize everybody didn't see people who weren't there or experience the future. I just knew that I was not the most popular person at the third grade lunch table. Um, <laughs> and at a certain point, this, this kind of clumsiness of where I was in time and space became a real asset. And I still didn't have a name for it. I really didn't have a, 
a name for it or know that I was, I mean, I always knew I was different. When you have to remind your mother to get dressed before going out of the house, you know you're different. You know, when you have to hide bruises, you know you're different. But I didn't know I was <laughs> special. Yeah. And and I think that's true of so many people. So I love telling that story because I really, I, I really think we all have whatever our version of I'm, I'm strange and it's not okay, the devil card. Mm-hmm. We all have our version. Oh, you're very good at tying things in. You, we all have our version of that. But in my very early 20s, I synchronistically saw this show on TV. And I'm a math and science nerd. I went to a school called Stuyvesant in New York that's all math and science nerds. I saw this show on a nerd channel about extrasensory perception, about research that was being done on people who could view a remote location or see the future or go inside a human body with their mind's eye. And I thought, well, doesn't everyone do this? So I called them up like any young person who has no idea what they're doing and said, oh, I can do what you're talking about. And so I was lucky enough, instead of having it kind of whittled away with esoterica, which I love the esoteric, but it often takes the usefulness out of a process, I was tested. So I was, this is a hit. This is a miss. I was able to analyze my own process, and I was surrounded by people who were more mature and and more educated than I was. So they really, they really helped me harness what probably would have had me in a mental institution or living on the streets or I don't know what else, you know, really in in bad shape. Because when you have no sense of time or space, you're not really good at ordering your life. It really, it became... A gift. And then one of the experiments was televised, and I had an instant following, which was very overwhelming. And I was very young. And I just decided I wanted to stick with what I could prove because there's just too much crazy in my family. There's this wonderful uh, poster, actually, that I put. I make these books for my father, who's slowly dementing, and just so he can remember what he did yesterday. And they're photo books. And one of the photo books says, in our family, we don't hide crazy. We put it on the porch and give it a drink. <laughs> and I, that is my new motto. Put it on a porch, give it a drink, because under the, we have to function in the world. I'm not saying, yeah, it's okay to be unmannered. I think there's too much permission for that. It's important. It's okay to be amoral. It's not. It's, none of that is okay. And we all have fault lines. It's okay to show your fault lines. I get overwhelmed. Everyone out here in LA invites you to dinner. Put me in a restaurant. Give me a drink first. Yeah. Uh, you know, I want to sit like we're. Si- right. I want to sit with you. I want to feel you. I don't right. want to have to have my guard up with every impulse that's coming in. Yeah. And and that is a neurological problem, and it it is not good in a lot of situations. But when you're honest about it, people do want to help. And we really have seen that, I think, during COVID. I saw that I live in the, near the World Trade Center during 9-11. By the way, I have ADHD, so if you want to get in a word, and you just go ahead and interrupt <laughs> no, me. No, I will. I'm good. Okay. You look like you would. Yeah, I, I like would. that. Yeah. Despite all the angelic cards. <laughs> um, you know, I've seen so many crises. You know, an earthquake in Rome, Italy when I was a teenager, and 9-11 where I, we had to evacuate, and I literally saw a plane hit a building. And during COVID, when my groups got together on Instagram, that's when I discovered Instagram, we'd get together every morning in our pajamas, and people were sending each other food. People want to help. Yeah. P- the angelic part 
isn't the pretend. It's actually who we are inside. Mm. I want to circle back to the the idea of having to energetically protect yourself because I had this intuition as you were saying that, that I wonder how many people are suffering from what they think is emotional or mental illness and it's actually that they're accidentally absorbing information or they're getting downloads and they don't understand what's happening to them, so they just think they're crazy. Yes. I mean, depression, anxiety, grief, they're all communicable diseases. So is joy. So is power. So is hope. One of the things that I do in How to Rule the World from Your Couch, which was meant to be a textbook, I I hit 50 and I said to myself, I need to give my students their teaching tools because that it's theirs now. And that was 14, almost 15 years ago. And I broke down the different intuitive skills. But I also pointed out that every skill is a point where toxins enter. So telepathy, how many conversations are really harmful to us that we're letting in and engaging in? And maybe even thinking that this is our you know, circular thinking, but it's not. Someone is telepathically conversing with you, and you're not aware enough of that dynamic to say, you know, this conversation is really making me feel insecure or disempowered. And so I address that. Or mediumship, which is when you become something else or someone else. We are mediums with especially people we know, but really everybody in our environment. So, you know, you'll find that, that when a crisis like a market crash happens, even people who are not financially affected experience the grief, the depression, the anxiety. And of course, we all exhibit those things in different ways. Remote viewing. People are so rarely in their bodies, in the room, enjoying each other. They're somewhere else. And I always uh, ask my students, in the five minutes you've been in this room, how many other places have you been energetically? We think it's our imagination, which is why I love, I do all of these um, free events. I do a lot of them at Soho House and I get rank beginners, people who don't even believe in intuition. They come because they see I do business prediction. And I say, okay, now you're going to do a reading. And they sit with each other and they blow each other away. It's like, how did this person know this? And then I say, okay, so now I want you to take a beat because realize if you could do it in five minutes, you're doing this all of the time. Good housekeeping, good citizenship means something completely different when you realize that we are in and out of each other all of the time. Yeah. I I read the book. I read uh, when I knew you were coming on the show. I was like, oh, I got it. Nobody does that. Oh, of course. Thank you. Of course, always. But I loved the practice of you said, okay, I want you to imagine that you're walking through my apartment in Rome. And I was like, all right, I'll do this with you. Uh, And then I was sort of giggling to myself at how much, and this is my jam, I'm so into this conversation, but I've never done that particular thing. Tell me what my apartment looks like. And I was laughing at how many things I saw because then, for people who haven't read it, you explain what the apartment looks like. And I was like, oh my God, like it it was really wild. So I was sitting with my boyfriend, I was like, tell me what my bedroom looked like when I was 13 years old. And then I did the same for him and we were just like, it was so wild. Obviously, couldn't see everything because we'd never tried that before. But By the we way, saw so many things. Honey, if you were in the room, you wouldn't see everything. Right. I mean, come right. on. I, I'll walk out of this stu- beautiful studio today. Love your refrigerator. Thank you. <laughs> I'll walk out of it and I'll remember 
two things, the two right. things that made an impression on right. me. So, so we, you know, we, we can't hold it to those standards. But yeah, that, and what it also shows us is, you know your boyfriend. You know him at 13. You know him in the womb. Yeah. You know him 10 years from now. We don't give ourselves enough credit for the amount of information we are juggling all of the time, which is why mindfulness, which people confuse with meditation, and it is not, mindfulness is such an important practice. Mindfulness, your five senses, just simply being where you are. I can tell you just did it because yeah. I just broke a sweat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, but, you know, just being where you are right now. And actually mindfulness, especially when you're connecting, is healing because whether you know it or not, you're scanning your body, you're scanning my body, mm. you're scanning the connection, you're making the adjustments you need, you're bringing it into the future, you're adjusting now for something that maybe it would happen. I mean, you are do we are all doing so much. And if we, if we flow with it as if it were a wave and only direct it when we need to, it works. If we're always flowing and never directing, or always directing, that's mine, and never flowing, <laughs> you know, then it really, you know, we're human beings and energy is infinite, but your attention is not. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. This episode is brought to you by Progressive where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. 
Discounts not available in all states and situations. Making important choices and, and, you know, for people listening, you can do that right now. Where do you want your attention to be? Your, your brain and body experience says your imagination as if it were real. Where do you want it to go? And I'm not big on positive thinking because I'm a big believer if a bullet's coming at you, it is going to hit you unless you get out of the way. <laughs> also not a big believer in negative thinking because if all you're looking at is what you don't have or what didn't happen, you're going to find more of it. That's what you're looking at. Yeah. Empowered, realistic thinking. And that, and it's hard. You know, one of the reasons people kind of fall into the past, even though it's painful, or fall into the present, the future, even though it's anxiety provoking, is that the present requires that you get off your duff and you do something. And that's tough. Like just that what is, take the first step. I forget, I saw it on a poster somewhere. I'm all about the Instagram posters, you know, <laughs> but it is take the first step. And my translation of that is what is the can do in this moment? And there's, especially during COVID with my group, there was a lot of couldn't do, but there was a lot of can do. The therapists, they donated their time. The lawyers donated their time. The social workers found people resources. We set up a lunch group for kids who, whose families didn't have resources but needed, you know, lot, relied on school lunches. People got other people disposable diapers. I mean, people really came through and people will come through it's just we're so busy hiding and we I, can't yeah i feel like being reminded of covid makes me wonder circling back to something you said earlier about that certain emotions are we could catch them right you can catch joy you can also catch grief i feel like people are still a hundred percent dealing with the ramifications of what happened to us inside of this pandemic and they don't, especially my audience, which is predominantly women and mamas, and they're hardworking, they're trying to do all the things. And it's like, why am I so stressed out? Why can't I get it? And I'm, because you still, there's like this essence of all the stress that we just walk through as a global community. Is that something that you saw within your own group? And maybe could you explain how we absorb emotions like that from a group for people who don't understand why they might still be dealing with those elements? Well, first of all, we are made, we are creatures of patterns. And COVID provided actually an opportunity for many people. Many people who were investment bankers became, you know, creative artists or writers or, you know, uh, many parents who didn't have time to spend with their children got to know their children. And listen, children are little parasitic animals. They really are. Again, devil cards. They're also wonderful beings. But they 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 experience things. So I, I think that on one hand, especially initially, people experienced the terror, which, by the way, we experience all the time in life whenever we make a change. Oh, my God, I am a stranger in a strange land. I don't have the rule book. I, I don't know what to do. And even if you were protected and well, I mean, a lot of my friends out here were protected and well. Their help moved in. You know, they had what they needed, but they felt this this sense of isolation and disaster that they were just picking up from the people around them. And the problem is that becomes a pattern. This wasn't a two-day crisis. This were, was a multi-year crisis. And so many of us 
more than picking it up intuitively, we've formed those patterns. And most of your life is run by your subconscious. So you're running on those patterns. And it is what I like um, about self-help. I mean, I remember when my first book was categorized under self-help, I was like, yuck. I mean, I was 20, (laughs) 30, whatever. But I was like, yuck, really self-help? And then I got a new respect for self-help because I use self-help. When I don't know how to do something, I find someone who's written a book about it or does a podcast about it. And I I try on a new paradigm because my old paradigm is not going to work in a new situation. So I think that many of us, especially mothers and especially women who kind of, you know, have one leg shorter from the start, we don't have the time often to prioritize the fact that we will have so much more time if we take care of what ails us. I arrived in LA day before yesterday, and I was completely out of body. I'd been just doing all these things. And I went and I did a show. It was okay, but I was just not, I wasn't present. Yeah. I I thought, you know what, even though I don't have time, if I don't call someone to put me back together, because by the way, you can't put yourself back together. You, uh, there's that expression, think outside the box. You can't. You are the box. So you need someone to come in and do that for you. And and I called my friend, Dr. Talib, and I said, you know what? What are you doing now? Just to be completely self-serving, could you come over with some needles? And did a little acupuncture, did a little right. And then I was, okay, and I could, we think we should be able to do it. We need someone outside of our box to introduce a new pattern. And then everyone hates the D word. We need the discipline Mm. to continue to do it over and over until our new ritual becomes a pattern. And that takes about two weeks. A groove on your brain is actually created after two weeks of repeating a pattern. And you want to know what pattern is this challenging. So when I am feeling grievy, it's a name, it's a word I really like. I think I made it up. Grievy? Yeah, grievy. Yeah. Get get some of that wild energy in. When I'm feeling angry, so many different things that you can do, depending on your type. Some people are more physical. Some people need to do it more mentally. Um, some people need someone else to intervene. And by the way, there are so many free hotlines. It it doesn't matter if you're not in one of the adult survivors of call anyway. Yeah. You know, get help. Reach out. No one's ever going to say, oh, my God, you know, you're not an alcoholic. You're not allowed to call out for help. <laughs> They're going to be good you called and here's something that works for me. And it doesn't have to be an expert. What works for someone else, even the shifting into something new often will work for you just because it challenges an old pattern. Yeah, because you're breaking the pattern up. Well, I love the reminder of what to do when you get out of body because traveling for me often, like especially getting on an airplane, will for sure sort of I'll land and I'll feel completely disoriented and oftentimes very much like you just did. I'm going to do something where I'm in front of an audience. So all of their energy is coming at me and I'm doing my best to give back to them and I'll end that experience feeling out of body and also depleted. And there are things that I've learned to do over the years, but even you just saying that is a really good reminder of like, you know what, I haven't been as diligent with that as I once was because I'm thinking, oh, well, you used to do longer shows. This is only two hours. 
you can suck it up. You don't need a massage. You don't need the things that I used to get as a way to kind of come back into my body. But for people who are listening who've, who they don't even they don't even know what we mean when we say a feeling of being out of body because we have every kind of listener. We have women and men who are vibing with every single thing you're saying. They're like, yep, get the devil cards, do it. And we have people who are curious, but maybe they haven't ever heard the idea of not being embodied. Is that something that you could describe? Yes. Um, it's different. There are four basic types and it's different for each type. And if you don't mind, I'd like to quickly go down each type. I would type. love it. If you tend to be an anxiety type and you all know who you are, <laughs> then what puts you back in your body is, is containment. Even organizing your makeup bag in a way that that has an end. You know, you put your lipsticks together, your facial part. Something that just patterns for your brain there's order here, and your order is here. It's not there. It's not there. Your order is here. And neurologically, because it's all neurology, that resets you. If you're somebody who tends to get angry, who who feels a lot of rage and shame, that that's your out-of-bodiness is when you can't contain your reactivity. And anxiety types, that's not the little chihuahua anger you have when you're nasty. <laughs> I'm talking about you know, breaking a wall rage. Mm. I'm talking about horrible shame. I'm not even going to go to this party I've been looking for forward to for two weeks. Mm. That's your brand of out of body. And what you need to do is 40 push-ups. What you need to do is discharge some of that charge so that that, that passion that you have is able to express itself powerfully. Denial types are people who say, oh, it's only two hours. I'm used to doing five hours. So even though I haven't eaten a solid meal in three days, I'm fine anyway, and everything's fine, and everybody's fine. And how those people know that they're out of body actually isn't an experience because they can't at that moment. It's that they lost their, they left their favorite watch somewhere. Um, they stubbed their toe. When it's the third thing, you scratched your car, you are firm. That those are your cues. You need to rely on external cues. The denial type is what I call them. The denial type needs to do anything that creates feeling. Could be a Kodak commercial. I don't even know if Kodak still exists, but you know, <laughs> on YouTube could be does. could be doggy videos. Could could be speaking to the person who always makes you like aware of yourself, who you don't call because of that. And then the depression type, and the depression type. You know you're out of body when you just don't feel like doing anything. It may look like you're taking a healthy break to an anxiety type or a rage type, but it's not a healthy break. You know, it, it, is, it is giving up. It is out of body. It is letting the weight of depression keep you from brushing your hair, making a call, doing your best at work. You know, it, it, you find you just let things drop and maybe you even make excuses for it. Depression types need to do one tiny act of self-support, just like, you know, you're going on vacation. You thought you were going to have a great vacation, but you get to the place and you don't even want to get out of bed. You decide it's a relaxation. Nah, if you know you're a depression type, you make sure you brush your teeth and go to breakfast every day. You don't have to do anything else. Or reach out for support to do something. Because depression types have a hole in the bucket, 
when I was a little girl, we used to sing, there's a hole in the bucket. Dear Liza. Right. There's a hole in the bucket. So they often get help and it just comes out the other end. Help to accomplish something. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas? The food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market. Because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach thrivemarket.com slash rach people are different and and everyone has their different experience of being out of body and also their different solutions know your solution like when i get to a group and i often walk off a plane in another country and that afternoon i have a presentation same what helps me and I know this is bad in the era of COVID, but what helps me is I greet everybody with a hug, which works really well in Italy, not as well in Switzerland. But, <laughs> but I, because, I mean, they think I'm being warm to them. Actually, that energy anchors me. It anchors connects you. me. It grounds me where I am. Yes. So know your, you know, we're not all huggers. Know what it is that, that works for you. Food works for me eating something warm. Me too. Yes. I'm the same way. My boyfriend makes fun of me because I always be like, oh, I just want, he's like, a warm meal. 
Because when he first met me, I would say that all the time. Like, I, a salad is wonderful, but sometimes I need hot food. Yeah. Hot food makes me feel Preferably like... deep fried <laughs> and salted. Yes. And maybe a little French fries, sweet, yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, maybe so a little funny. honey chicken. Yeah. But, um, you know, or honey tofu for those of you who... Or sugar tofu for the vegans. But, um, you know, absolutely. absolutely. It's, it's knowing your own cues... Is is and knowing what knowing what makes it better and knowing that as you change, that will change. What used to make it better for me was just isolating myself, and then my energy would return. Isolating myself and doing something, you know, very programmed. You know, just kind of, you know, re- rebuilding myself. Now, as I've gotten older and more connected and more embodied as a person, I really need people to do it. You know, and I need the physic the physicality of people. I'm staying with my dear friend out here uh, in LA, and I, I just watched. He watches all these inane housewives of every part of the world, <laughs> which I. He's such a brilliant man. I don't quite understand it, but anyway, and I just put my hand on his leg. Yeah. And I felt, I just felt his warmth, and I was home. Yeah, that's so cool. I'm curious how old most of your community is. And the reason I ask is because I went to a couple of years ago, I took uh I went to a weekend at Miraval and I did sort of an intu- intuition group. It was a I forget what they even called it, but it was like 20, it ended up being 20 women and I was surprised when I got there that I was the youngest woman in this circle over the course of the weekend. And I was amazed hearing these women's stories that they had their whole life been curious or they'd they'd had these moments of intuition or insight or they felt like they were mediums or they felt like they were psychics, different elements, but they had never really felt like they were allowed to pursue that or question it or understand it in a different way. So here they were in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s for the very first time trying to learn how to work with what they had. You say 70s as if it was that old. It's not that old. Well, I just meant, (laughs) no, I weren't meant to like be learning something like this that you've had since childhood. Is that pretty common or do you feel like there's a shift now with people stepping into it at a younger age? They call me the grandmother of practical intuition, because intuition was always kind of a female art. Although actually the best intuitives are men, because their brains are, the two hemispheres are less connected structurally, so they can compartmentalize their information without putting their wishes into it. And women have male brains, but the traditional male, the tr- traditional non-estrogenic brain that is, doesn't have that much communication between the two hemispheres, what makes us like want to knock them on the head, that that actually is the the true intuitive brain, the dissociated, detached brain. My uh, students self-selected because I'm not the talk to angels person. I'm not, this is your life path or destiny person. I'm definitely not the women's circle person. I'm the people's circle person. I am the use your intuition to make your life better. If you were supposed to be so spiritual, you would not have a body to deal with, rent to pay, you know, investment fund to manage and children to corral or a love life to have. So I was really not... My, the wor- the biggest complaint about me is you're not spiritual enough. I think 
everything is spiritual. If you believe in spirituality, this mic is just spirit, you know, moving at a slow direction. And we need to show everything respect. So my students, I don't allow people under the age of 21 in my workshops, because I really think that until you're 21, all of that non-local stuff, all of the stuff that isn't you, should be channeled into your creativity. But it's really important to have a solid you before you refine the ability to become somebody else. Yeah. Um, and you should know your own thoughts before you can read other, you know, before you're aware of how well you're reading other people's minds. Like, I, I want people to have an eye. So I don't feel comfortable, although I will. I do do workshops for parents to channel their children's intuition safely, not to have it all over the place. So I get from age 21 to geriatric. I had a group that was from a local retirement home cool. who came to a, an event that I did every month. And all the it was um, a village retirement home in New York. And the NYU students would come because I was right near NYU. Barnes & Noble used to give me a space every month after 9-11, every month just to do a free workshop for people. And the older, at the end of the workshop, what began to happen, because people would get to know each other, it was about 100 people and people would know each other, is that the younger people would take the older people home, would, you know, bring cookies, would share, and they would get reparented. I mean, it was a really, like, cool. super nice group. So I get older people. I also get many more men than most people because a lot of what I train is how do you use your intuition in business for success? Why is success a dirty word? Make money and give half of it away, but be functional people. I do a lot of groups that do incorporate things like ritual or more esoteric things because their capacities we have, and sometimes they're unbelievably helpful to put some daisies on your reality. However, my primary group is how do we use intuition to have successful lives, to have successful bodies, to also evolve from what we came from. I mean, I I come from generations of suicide, generations of abuse, generations of, I think, people whose values probably were not the kind of values that I have chosen for myself, or maybe they had those values, but they weren't able to exercise them. And I really, I don't believe in destiny. You know, I create my destiny every second. Now, I'm, I have blind spots. So sometimes I create a lot of crap. All you have to do is Google me. Oh, my son says I'm not supposed to say that. Search me. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've walked into the same wall over and over. And it's wonderful because those walls create what my next book is going to be about because I need to find the solution. And I, I, am, I am dogged. Perseverance is so underrated. Great to be brilliant. Great to be beautiful. Great to be wealthy. Great to be intuitive. But if you're perseverative, you will get to that finish line. That's so real. Wait, so you you don't believe in destiny, and I am totally Absolutely in alignment. Don't. Like because we are creating our reality every single day. But do you believe in that there was a path that there was something special, like that you were in any way meant to be where you are right now? Uh, I would reframe that a little. I mean, first of all, we're born with a certain genetic makeup. We're born with our with our framework. I I predicted epigenetics from the time I was tiny because I I didn't feel that my genes were my destiny. I I, I wasn't willing to accept that, and actually, science has borne that out. So I was right again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't 
I don't think that before we incarnate, someone says, you are going to have blah, blah, blah. Listen, there are fat kids in famine countries. Those are intuitives. They want to survive. I do think that we we are, our destiny really is our biology and neurology and how we form our ego in the first six years. But it's not, it's not something that's decided for us. We're all weighted in one direction or another or in many different directions. But they're intersections. And that's why wishing is so important. You know, I am a big believer in wishful thinking. I think it's really important to wish. And it's really important to feel all of the grief at not having your wishes come true. And then it's really important to take that first little step you don't have to feel good about it. You don't have to believe in it. Belief is so highly overrated. Just do it. Find something and do it. You don't have to believe in it. It's not supposed to feel good. My students always say, oh, you know, I'm doing readings and they're accurate, but I, I don't feel secure and I don't believe, I don't know, sometimes I don't know if I even believe in intuition, And but my clients keep coming back, and but I'm anxious always. And I'm like, you know what? You should be anxious. But the time you're not anxious before you're giving to another person, you're not giving your best. And it is really, it is really it, 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 so important that we show up. I really believe in just the act of showing up. And I have so many bad qualities, but it is one quality that I think saves me over and over again from the bad ones, is that I may do it imperfectly, but I really do try so hard to show up. And and I I try to own it and make up for it when I don't. I think there's a big thing about people should love themselves. Yeah, you should love yourself, but you should also be lovable. You know, I mean, <laughs> if if you do something that is wrong and you're aware it's wrong, maybe you weren't when you did it. Maybe you were, but now you're it's making you not digest your food well. You can forgive yourself. You can ask for forgiveness, but also do something if you can to correct it. Sometimes you can't. Yeah. And then you forgive yourself. Then you say, you know, that's out of that now is out of my control. I'm not going to repeat that. But I think there's a little too much esoterica in the whole idea of we live only in this energetic field. Our acts are energy. Our relationships are energy. And and it is so important to be responsible to it, to correct it. I don't know how I got on this tangent. I love it. <laughs> but, I'm uh, following everything you're saying. I, I'm uh, so yeah. glad because I'm not quiet. I think I stopped about a minute ago. <laughs> but um, it makes me a little crazy because my, my students have grown up in this culture of, you know, you need to love yourself. You need to forgive yourself. No, if you hurt someone, you actually need to own that, own that yeah. and, and, and do something to correct it. Forgiving yourself is often not enough if you can do something about it. If yeah. not, forgive yourself because you don't want to, you know, rabbit holes aren't even good for rabbits. But you, The one-liners yeah. are so exceptional. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know, it's the glory of Instagram. You have a thought. My students are great. So I go in on Insta. I started this during COVID because I was coming from a family where everyone unfortunately kills themselves. I my, When I hear my students say, I don't know if I have the strength to go on, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be in my pajamas with no makeup. I was in London when when uh, COVID started on Instagram, and we're going to work this through, you know, because 
let's face it, suicide is a little hard to undo. You want to, this is a, it's not like buying a pair of shoes. You want to make this a well-reasoned decision. And I don't mean to be flippant, but people are so flippant about their lives. It shouldn't be in the vernacular, I'm going to kill myself. No, that's a big, that's a big screw you to a gift of life you were given and you're leaving a burden for others, I say, as the person who often has been left with that burden. So I would go on in my pajamas every morning with my mug of coffee, which everyone envies because I make it with half and half instead of milk, froth it. (laughs) And I'd say to the group, okay, what's your can do right now? And you're not alone. I'm not alone. I have all of you. You know, you have this whole group. How do we facilitate each other? And when people were given permission to kind of drop their game a little bit and say, you know what? My boyfriends, we had someone who was being abused. Everyone got together. They got her a new wardrobe. They got her the tools of her trade. They got her money to be able to leave. I mean, they just, they all got together. People who were depressed, there were therapists in the group who said, listen, Mike, it was before we'd figured out we can Zoom life. My clients have canceled. I'm, I'm, I'm here. You have to pay me a penny so that malpractice, to, you know, but blah, blah, blah. The, the wealth of sharing, I also don't know how to got, I got on this tangent, but the wealth of sharing was, was incredible. And people who thought they had nothing. So this woman who was living in a camper in her 50s outside of her parents' house because she had lost everything was like the number one person who, who gave people an ear. Because often, often we don't need a solution. We don't need money. We don't need help. We need someone to bear witness to our journey. Amen. You know? We just need someone to see us. Yes, we need someone to see us. Witness is 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 so underrated. And I think it's one of the lovely things for me every morning on Instagram is just people who I see, who see me. And we have people pop, other people pop on in their pajamas. We have this amazing award-winning playwright who did a writing thing for five minutes, someone who did tapping, you know, (laughs) uh, someone who's, you know, telling us how not to schlump. But I'm so awed by by communities uh, in general. And one of the things that I love about intuition is that it takes away the somebody-nobody-ness of it all because anybody can help you in such an exquisite way Anybody who's not you can can experience your future for you and give you guidance. Anybody can lay their hands upon you and bless you and heal you. And there's actually research. There's science on this. You know, I'm a Jew, but I love Catholic charismatic services. Take me to a good, I can say the rosary in under five minutes. Take me to a good laying on of hands. I yeah. will go to any. I grew any, up Pentecostal. We love to lay hands on people. Love that. <laughs> and by the way, before COVID, then I, I really have observed that life is synchronicity. Now I know you were talking about, do you think about destiny? Yeah. Your genetics influence your path. The family you're born into influences your path. But if you live in a place where you go to school, by the time you're five, you have the elements to choose. And by the way, 
we should look at each other's children and everyone, you know, that we pass because we are those elements. I, I always remind myself when I'm in a crappy mood and not smiling at the sweet kids on the street, I'm the catalyst. I am a catalyst. I should just stay in my house if I have to have that face on, nice. you know? And, and you know, it, it's, it's good social ecology. The kids so, really do have it. Like, so I didn't notice this as much with my boys. And maybe that's because I wasn't as in touch with any of this stuff when they were born. But my daughter, who is six, is so intuitive. It's, it really trips me out, the stuff that she says. And you want to shut that down. You want to channel that into creativity. Okay, well, tell, tell me that. Okay. So, so you do not, just to be graphic, you know, her brain may be structured to not have a lot of executive function. I'm the poster child for that. And so she can be mobile with her attention. You don't want her to hear someone on a bus describing a, a bad situation at home and her being able to go there and experience mm, it. That's interesting. You don't want her to know what big boys and girls do and what those feelings are until she's there. You don't want it, the only reason to have that kind of information as a child is if you're in a situation like I was in, where you absolutely needed to survive or people don't eat. Right. That's the only reason. There's a great exercise to do with children where you don't shut down their intuition, but you allow their intellect to join it and their boundaries to join it. And I used to do this with my son every day after school. Because, of course, my son, I remember once we, we were on, well, no, I'm going to do the exercise first, ADD in action. So the exercise is when they come home from school, whatever they like to do creatively, whether it's clay or a picture or a finger paint, let them download, you know, have it out for them. And it's a really good process to have a place where children can leave their projects without cleaning it up right away because creativity should be taught as an enduring process as opposed to you start your Lego halfway, but then you have to put it away. So have your child do something creative. Let's say draw a picture. And then especially if they're pre-writing age, but even if they're writing age, it's nice to have the help Ask them to tell you the story. So what, what were they doing? And you write it down. And then you read it to them with the picture. And often the child will, in a very precise way that they are not intellectually aware of, tell you exactly what's going on, not just in their outer world, but in their inner world and what's coming up for them that you need to prepare them for. But they're doing it without it going through their processing machinery but giving you the advantage of it going through yours because there's nothing more wonderful than good than good adulting. Um, it's not always parenting. Sometimes it's teachers. Sometimes it's coach or mentor, or nanny, or you know. But there's nothing, nothing as good as good adulting to be able to contextualize. But it's healthy. You know, children aren't aware of a lot, and they really shouldn't be. In my generation, there was this whole thing about indigo children. They're super intuitive oh, and they're right, super right. connected. Children are, they're little mammals. They should be managing their, all of their survival skills and then learning how to manage that in community. And it is very bright and very creative children often have trouble um, shutting that down. And then it is the parent's job to shut it down. I think we reward things like, 
Janie's sad and I'm crying for her. No, that's Janie's sadness. Leave it to her. <laughs> that's don't take her sadness. You know, you need that. But if you want to comfort her, you can. You know, really, I am separate. I my new book that's coming out uh, next year is about the ego and how oh. the ego is the spiritual structure of people in a material world and how do we use the ego to create in the world? Because by the way, you're creating what you want is a spiritual path. It's not a path of greed or of unkindness. It's a spiritual path to take the energy around you, work in community, and create something for yourself. How have you taught, or what would happen if we were signing up for one of your workshops? You said earlier that you most people are coming to you because it's practical intuition, and you're teaching people to use practical intuition in business and career. What does that look like? Well, it depends. I do nice workshops and not nice workshops. What's that mean? So I do workshops where it's really an experience. I am doing two in London coming up where it's where I put people in a situation where they just create something and they don't have to develop their super skills in order to do it. So I give them the paradigm. I use the group and healing to anchor it in their functioning and they it's enjoyable and it's supportive. Can you give an example? Uh, yes, I'm in the healing workshop, I'm going to show everyone just the basics of how do you move energy and energy is everything. It's relationship, it's how you move in the world, it's what you put in your body. But there's also a specific way that we can use that energy we share to heal each other and we spend the whole day kind of reading energy and then fixing it. So we fix each other. Mm. And people, my only rule is you don't comfort, you let people have their feelings. People can be angry. People can cry. We don't take it from them. They own that feeling. And we sit and witness. Because and is that comfort that you're trying to give them, is that you actually trying to control that you don't yes, want to feel the way that they're feeling? So it's like, well, let me help you to stop crying. It's hard. And it's in part because we are connected and compassionate. But it also doesn't, you don't want them to take those tears home. You want them to leave them in the workshop. Mm. I want people to, in the smaller, in the nice workshops, I'm actually functioning in many ways as the intuitive healer. And I'm working on the whole group. And we, we do ritual and, and we do all kinds of things that allow them to channel intuition to create a result. Boot camp, which is my training, is not fun. And it's transformative, but it's, it has a warning label. It is not, my intensives are not fun. I put people in really uncomfortable situations where they have no information and have them answer really specific questions for complete strangers who then take their information apart. And we do that intensively over and over again until they can't reason their way out of intuition. I, I always warn people, the first class, if you had a doll and a set of pins, you would put my face on that doll. <laughs> By the second class, they're curious, but maybe still not looking forward to it. By the third session, they're all in love with each other. They're in each other's business. They're visiting each other's houses. They're finding each other's keys. They're doing, they are literally a family. I have boot camps that I did 40 years ago who are still together. Cool. You know, I mean, we're talking about 70 and 80 year olds. Wow. I mean, that are still together. And what, what's their goal? What's the goal of the, the people who do this? A those? lot of the goals are, is to be a professional intuitive. Mm. So to what, what does a, most professional intuitives predict the future? 
They predict the future for individuals, for companies. Like a, for a certain future or uh, this is what will likely happen if nothing this changes? Is, most people don't make a lot of change, which is a problem, which is something that I, that's my <laughs> soapbox. It's this is what's going to happen and here are some options you have. Wow. Here are the movable pieces. Here are the pieces you can't move. And you can just feel that instantly? Like you feel everybody that for everybody? Can. Everybody can. Everybody can. And nothing's 100%. I mean, I was- oh, I just I was, like felt that in my body. Tell people, like, if yeah. someone tells you they're 100%, run, do not walk away from them. And by the way, if anyone tells you they can do something you can't do, I mean, I'm not a long distance runner, <laughs> but I can run to your refrigerator. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you go to any helping professional, whether it's a doctor, a psychic, a therapist, and by the way, your psychic should not be your therapist or not, and should not be your doctor, should not be your investment counselor, your psychic should just be someone who gives you bits and pieces of future information that you take to these professionals. But if anyone makes you feel less powerful in awe of them, they are not doing a good job. That's a great you piece know, of advice. It's really, imp- you know, people are people are immensely powerful. And I know that's a very new age thing to say, but I'm saying this as someone who's seen the new age come and go at least three times in my lifetime. I mean, I was born in 1959. People are incredible. I have seen people who were quite literally living on the streets, who had the most amazing lives. And by the way, I've seen people born into the most amazing lives, superstars that have completely dismantled their good fortune. It is choice and we all mess up. You know, one of the things that happens with self-help and new age and the whole spiritual community uh, is this idea that we, we are, we've evolved. And I don't, that is not my experience of my community. My experience of my community is we are so messed up that we have made it our life goal to find the answers. That's all we're doing. We're not going to movies. We didn't go to parties. We had to figure out how we were going to fix the mess. And we did. And then we shared it. Mm. And Amen. Yeah, that's real. This idea that we have to be we're all works in process. And, and this idea that we have to guard our, our perfectness is so toxic, you know, because we're, then all of your energy, you know, if you're repressing something or if you're hiding something, all of your energy goes there. And I'm not saying be out there with everything that anyone could hurt you with. No, like be reasonable and rational. We do live in a real world and it's a mixed bag. But don't have too much game because you you end up caught in it. Are there lessons or ideas or tips for people who are listening, who have a business, have a career that you teach in your workshops that are helpful? I can give some really simple ones. Great. Now, I've I've written I've just finished my 7th, but I've written 6 books and they're yes. all workshops. And yeah. they're workshops that people can steal and teach on their own. You know, make a group of your own. You don't have to take boot camp. You don't have to take a workshop. You can do it. But you have to document it because otherwise that it's all in your head. Thing. I love you said it over and over. I didn't. You said it like 50 times in your book. You were like, you have to document this process. And I was like, well, I just want to read it because I'm going to talk to you. But you're right. But 2020 hindsight is so inaccurate. Here are some really simple things. And part of the problem with intuition is it's so organic. It's so innate that we we don't use it as the tool we should use it as. What are your goals? And I'm not talking about your laundry list of 25 things. What are your top five? And then what's what's the what's the front runner? 
Because when you have goals, you have a filing system for all that information. Your mind, anyone's mind is a messy place. Mind messier than most, but everybody's mind is a messy place and everyone's life is a messy place, no matter how pretty and neat we try to make it look. So what are your goals? And then notice, and you will, you'll almost notice, uh, and, and some people see, some people feel, some people sense, you'll almost notice a string because, oh, wait, this addresses this. Oh, wait, that addresses this. Write it down. I know n- nobody knows how to write anymore, but put it in your iPhone, you know. And and what you'll find if you review it periodically is that you'll find that you really have a body of information, a map, a future-looking map to be able to follow. The other thing is ask other people, you know, people close to you, but also people who aren't that close to you. If I had a business idea, what do you think the problems would be? And I want you to speak really quickly without without stopping. And they'll say, well, what's the idea? And say, no, 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 I want you to do it a different way. Just everything that pops into your head. And just talk. And people love to talk. Most people. You'll find you get a very good reading that way. The other thing is use your sleep state. During the day, your intuition is evaluating your environment. That's a survival skill. So during the day, your intuition is noticing everything that's going on, everything that's going on non-locally, what you have to address in the near future, uh, what you have to process from your past to function right now. You know, everyone's looking for their trauma. I'm like, whatever's getting in the way of what you're doing, there's your trauma. You don't have to go back and look for it. It's right here, right, right in front of you. So in your sleep state, though, most of us are fortunate enough to be sleeping in a safe place. So in your sleep state, give yourself a task. I want to resolve this argument with Margie in a way that we really can be good friends again. Go to sleep. Notice where your attention goes in the morning, but also notice if Margie calls you in the next week. Because what happens is non-locally, you are moving and negotiating. I have something that, that I do with my groups on Instagram, and we don't do it a lot. And I'll tell you why. Remind me to tell you why. But once a month, we, we do sleep work, and we all write down a bullseye, a goal. And I always have people abracadabra. This is your magic wand because you are your magic wand. But what's your bullseye? So we write down our bullseye. This is what I want you to fix for me tonight, to do for me. Bring me a new job. Bring me a great love. But, you know, this is what I want, group, for you to do for me tonight. And we write it down, and then we go to sleep. And what happens in the next month is amazing. Sometimes even in the next day is amazing. You know, it takes the world time for all the pieces to be moved. The reason we don't do it every night is I have this, I I don't wear it anymore because it's my enemy, but I have this ring that tells me how much I move. Not at all. I'm anaerobic. You know, what my breathing is. I what thought my... she was going to say like a secret crystal ring, didn't you, Jack? She's like, it's an aura ring. Yes. <laughs> I, and I hate it and I don't wear it anymore. But it was, it was really useful because what it showed me is that normal nights, I have the most beautiful sleep architecture in the world. I get the right amount of REM, the right amount of deep, the right amount of light. I sleep a solid amount of hours. However, the nights I do sleep work, I get almost no REM, almost no deep. It's all light sleep because I'm working. And so we don't do it because we're just worn to a frazzle the next day. But it is also really amazing proof that we're doing something different Mm -hmm. when we commit to do sleep work. This is the other way to use your intuition in your daily life. Your subconscious 
really is making most of your moves. You think it's conscious, but it's not. With discipline, choose your conscious goals and act on them. Because when you act on them, intuition will will unconsciously follow suit and will say, oh, I see you're doing this. Let me help you with that. Let me make you remember this person that you maybe forgot about. You know, it will bring the things in and everyone says, oh, you know, this this is a sign. Uh, it 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 make the signs make me crazy. Why is a penny heads up a sign, and not the fact that you can't pay your rent? <laughs> Everything in your life is a sign. You're preach, living in signs. Preach. Oh my God. <laughs> you have such cute language. Your amens and preaches. Oh my good. It's I'm so a preacher's cute. daughter and a preacher's granddaughter. It's so still you, in me. It's still in me. I love that. But everything in your life is a sign. But it's not a sign that dictates. It's a sign of what you've already done. Change what you're doing. You know, I really do have the three bad thing rule. Three things go wrong, and I know I don't care what I'm doing. I need to take a break. I need to get some outside help. I need to reset. I need to look at my secondary agendas, which I want to talk about. I need to hit pause because my signs are telling me not that something's going to go wrong in the future. Something's going wrong, and I'm I'm building on it. Right. I don't want to build on my wrong. I want to build on my on my right. And and listen, I know sometimes it's hard. You are not alone, people, in thinking that you shouldn't go to this party because you're just going to say the wrong thing anyway. Or we all have pond slime moments, and but we need to not feed into them. I'm too blunt. I'm really working on that. I'm really working on you know. Um, everybody's holding their breath, hoping I don't get canceled, because I just say whatever is on my mind. And I really do experience all of humanity, all of us as one. I really, that is my life experience, which is not very good for ego development, but I've had a lot of therapy. But I'm working on that because not only is everyone not entitled to my opinion, I'm not entitled to butt in in everybody's life. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, there's so many really good lessons that, that I've learned from my worst moments. And I try. I'm not always, because I, I am a bit of a drama queen, so I'm not always good at this. When something bad happens, my first response is, why me? Why is this <laughs> happening? Oh, my God. My next response, usually, if I've had enough sleep, is what's the lesson plan here? What, how am I trying to help myself? How's the world trying to help me? What's the learning? And it's hard sometimes when you do the same wrong thing over and over because you just, the person it's hardest to be angry at is yourself. Yeah. But we we have a learning curve. You know, we are human. That's the good news and the bad news. I heard once that the first thought we have is our programming. And the second thought we have is who we actually are, it's who we're reaching to be. Oh, that's, and yes. I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah, it was yes. someone talking about she was judging another woman's outfit. Like, oh, what, you know, she looks like a slut. Why would you wear? And she was like, oh, that, I don't want to be that woman. I don't want to. But she was beating herself up. Oh, and, and I'm so, like, she looks like a slut. How can I do that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but wait, you said secondary agenda, which I want to make okay, sure we don't forget. So also, both in intuition and in life, one of I think that our devils is that what we are doing and what we think we're doing is often different. What we're wanting and what we think we're wanting is often different. And so you may think you're going into an interview to get the job, 
but actually you're going into the interview to prove to the person who dumped you that you're worth something. That agenda is not a wholesome one, and it's not actually one that has enough integrity to, to utilize. So it's important to be aware of that because it allows you to constantly make a shift, and we all have those secondary agendas. So when when you put on your platter, I want to be successful because this person always told me I was nothing. When you put that on your platter, then you allow yourself to say, okay, do I want to be successful? What does successful mean to me? And how do I separate it out? And it's such a healing process to, again, be aware of those devil cards. So, so meaning owning or, or holding awareness about what the secondary agenda is. And if it actually is something like that, that you're like, okay, that's my why. My why is proving to all the girls in middle school that I'm actually great. And other people might think that's ridiculous, but that is my why. And I'm going to use it as fuel. Like, is that is that what you mean? Yeah, you can you can do that. Absolutely. But to be aware, consciously aware of what you're doing. Because when you're not, then it's like the push me, pull you and Dr. Doolittle. You know, you're expending energy and doing nothing. Or worse, you're digging yourself deep. So again, one of the things that I have against sunshine and light is that our power is being aware of our shadow uh, and our sunshine and light. And and we're we're both. And we're all struggling with the baggage of our past and the gifts that are in that baggage yeah. too. You know, if you don't go through the d- dirty laundry, you can't get to the present. Right. You know. Well, I, it reminds me of you know conversations I've had over the years with friends who are celebrities or artists, people who have big platforms, and with I'm sure the next book of yours addresses this. That over the last however many years, ego has become this really awful thing in media. Like the ego is so bad, but for those of us who have built platforms in the public eye. Honestly, if there wasn't ego, he wouldn't have been able to get up on stage. Like if there wasn't some ego, he wouldn't be who he is. So what's... Plus ego, I mean, if you really look at what ego is, it's anything that begins with the word I. I want, I covet, I have, I love, I honor, I respect, I work, I treasure. We need to have eyes. I mean, when we're just an amorphous blob, we're not doing anything. You know, uh, one of the things I say in my book, and I expect to get flack for this, is spirit or God, if you're omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, you're not changing much. Who is it who does the work every day to change, not just for themselves, but for everyone around them? It's the I. It's the ego. It's the human being. And then you, when you can be part of a community without merging, but keep your own interests in mind and still be generous spirited, for me, that is the highest octave, not sitting on a mountaintop and leaving that body that you are supposed to be using to create okay. with. I'm so glad you brought this up. I think I've talked, I think I've like brought this up in every sort of conversation like this I've had over the last two years is I feel like I'm seeing a trend in what I would call spiritual bypassing in people who are getting really into being spiritual, but really into being spiritual is them constantly using plant medicine, meditating for six hours a day, doing all these things that pull them out of body, which I'm sure is a beautiful experience. But I hear those people then teaching everyone else who is working two jobs, trying to take care of kids, doing all this stuff, that I'm like, this 
first of all, it's massive privilege on your part that you can go meditate for eight hours a day. And second, or massive denial. Right. Because lives right. fall apart well, that way. Well, that's the thing. I'm like, I thought the whole point of this was that you are gaining tools and wisdom and insight that you're bringing back to your very real life and using it to help yourself, to help your community, to do, but to experience this life, not to leave this body so that you don't have to be in this life. Because that almost seems like the least spiritual thing to me. I think it's definitely the least spiritual and also the least courageous, but it's also a sign of how painful we have allowed life to get. Right. And in the olden days, painful life, you know, yes, there was, you had to work for your food or work the land, or but there was something you could do. I think we've given people pain without recourse. And that hopelessness I mean, suicide's endemic. Yeah. That hopelessness makes people think, I have nothing of worth. I am nothing of worth. Let me transcend the I, the physical, because I can't seem to make it work. And really, if there's one message that I hope I give my students is, no, you can't make it work. No one person can make it work. We can make it work. And it's such an important you know, whenever I, I think, I also we think, not in terms of generosity or sharing or anything like that, in terms of, wait, I have deficits, but we don't. So who can I connect with? And then how can I make it an exchange? Because the energy of exchange is the energy of health. Yeah, it is a it's a wonderful and and letting people know what they're giving you. I mean, without my housekeeper, Sunday at my house, it's like FEMA housing after a disaster. I mean, my without my housekeeper, we would uh, we would drown. Right. And I sometimes forget because I mean, I pay her, don't I? Yeah. I, I sometimes forget. Let me tell her what she's giving me. Yes. You know, I would have come yes. to L.A. with no underwear. Right. Right. I mean. And I only wear one kind, and you can only order it online. I mean, I would have been miserable. Right. So that exchange is important. You'd asked about kind of what are the what are the about healing? What are the good workshops before the pandemic? And this is my favorite synchronicity story and my favorite cop to your stuff story. Before the pandemic, I had a situation where every other weekend I really needed to be out of out of my house. We had blended a family. My stepson really needed time alone with his father. So I had to kind of rethink, what do I do every other weekend? So I'd greet him and, and then I'd go. And, I, and I, what I decided to do, I wanted to give back in some way. So I decided to do these healing services all over the U.S., and I would get in touch with a, a Unity Church or a New Life Center. And my deal was I'll pay my own expenses. You can have the books available. That's what you can do for me. We'll do a collection. We'll donate to, you know, hunger, women, children, uh, diversity. You know, we'll donate to something I believe in. And I'm going to do these. I'm going to do a laying on of hands. And my request is that you ask all local healers, including dentists, anyone who works on fixing others, to come, I will give them a free half an hour workshop and we will do laying on of hands together. They were so popular 
people would, I'd have a thousand people in a night. And of course, everyone wants the honey and the bear. So I'd end up doing laying on of hands in a thousand people a night. But the way I train healing is for the healer to actually be healed by the act of healing. So I was so healed and empowered by doing this. So this is what happened before the pandemic. And a year before the pandemic, I hate the word, I've lost someone. Two of my siblings suicided, one in 2013, one in 2016. And I hadn't processed it. And I knew I hadn't, and I wasn't going to. And so I fully expected, because I'm an ex-smoker, I fully expected a little lung something. So I went for a chest x-ray, and there was nothing. And wow, I guess I, I guess I beat the system. Went for a mammogram, there was something. So everyone, especially my community, said, don't tell people. Of course, that's not my style. So I had a healing service in Chicago, and I went on stage and I said, okay, I want to let you know I've been diagnosed with breast cancer. I'm going to have surgery in a few days. I'm lucky enough to be a doctor's daughter, great-granddaughter and granddaughter. So from diagnosis to surgery was 11 days. Oh, wow. And I said, "I I want to tell you this because I want your healing, but I'm going through, even if only a speck is left, and they actually, it reduced in 11 days, but I still decided, I have decided to have surgery. And I want to tell you all this because you should want the best for yourself. Dogma is evil. You want the best for yourself. I want your healing. I'm definitely changing my headset, which you know is one of the things I've noticed creates these things. Maybe changing my diet's a little harder, but Your headset, like literally... No, I mean, I'm changing... Oh, your mindset. Like I had been living in the denial of grief. If you see things that other people don't see is kind of easy. I'd wake up and have coffee with my dead sister. I had been living in denial of grief. And in a way, what I'm able to do helps that because I did have access. She did said provable things. She'd say, my daughter cut school today. I'd call up. Her daughter actually had cut school that day. But I wasn't doing what human beings are supposed to do which is rail against the gods and cry and scream and process that I had lost my baby sister. I didn't, and my brother and my mother, that that scab kept being, oh, I hadn't processed it. So my body said, oh yeah, we're going to do this for you. Yeah. And and I actually thought to myself, I'm, this grief is, it was a tiny tumor. I was so lucky I didn't have to have chemo. But I said, I'm going to have this cut out. But I'm saying this to you because so many new age self-help people say, oh no, medicine is medicine is the devil. No, strep used to give you rheumatic fever and yeah. heart problems for life or death. Yeah. No, we want to for ourselves, for our clients, we want to use we want to use everything. We want to honor the good in everything. But, you know, new age and spirituality, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. Like everything else, people say, oh, the medical establishment, it's a multi-billion dollar and industry so are vitamins. Uh, so is meditation and prayer. Right. All multi-billion dollar industries and they're competing. Right. Don't let their competition sell you short. Yeah. So I did avail myself for all of it, but I was also very public about it because, you know what, your psychic shouldn't be your therapist. There are people who go to school for that. Um, I train therapists to use intuition as therapists, but I would never do therapy with someone. First of all, I'm a terrible listener, but I would never do therapy with someone. You know, I work for a, a big investment fund, but I would never tell a civilian 
how to invest their money. I'm not qualified. I would leave that to the fund. They can be part of the fund. And and someone who has a little more education than I am, you know, and doesn't talk to things that aren't there in the corner of the room will manage their money. So you have clients that are investment firms and you I have, have big, celebrity clients as well, right? I do. A- and I have students who I read whether they want me to or not. <laughs> I'm very intrusive as a teacher with my boot campers. My practice is large companies. So I work with, I've worked for the same companies for decades. I actually have my first client space that I've had in 30 years, but I, I'm on staff basically. To <clears throat> read the whole company? No, or, no, no, okay. no, no. I work with the CEO I don't know what they take me off their taxes as a public <laughs> consultant, and my job really is to predict the future. It's to it, they. I don't. I don't know about any of it. I don't study it. I don't look at it. They ask me a question, and I just tell them where my attention goes. And it's the. It's also wonderful. Well, this is a wild. I, I never. Of course, this exists, but I've never thought of this. And before. the reason that I don't. I don't really work, um, I mean, I do work with civilians in the sense that when my students are learning, I also feel free to share my intuition with them because they're already empowered to know that they have this ability. I feel free to share my healing with them because they're already empowered to know that they have this ability. I was always uncomfortable seeing civilians as clients, although anyone will tell you, you sit next to me on a couch and I read you because I have kind of minimal impulse control that way. But never was comfortable doing civilians because I felt, first of all, you're not 100%. And people believe, belief, you know, people say, oh, I have a hard time having faith. No, actually, people are filled with faith. Yeah, it's terrifying are. how much people believe. And I was always really frightened that, you know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an investment counselor. I'm not, I'm, I have a very high degree of accuracy, but not always. Do I want to make a mistake on behalf of a human being? I frankly can't carry that. Yeah. Unless someone knows already that they yeah. have their own filter and they have other discernment. other discernment. So, I mean, I do have a couple clients who are people, you know, who aren't companies, who I have read for, you know, 40 years, and I can't suddenly say, well, no. Right. I have one young woman who's now actually an amazing child therapist who I've read since she was 14, first through her mother. Wow. And then when she was 21, because I won't see anyone who's not 21, but herself, and I still read her, which is, which is amazing, because she's now like 50, I mean, with two kids. And wow. When I first became aware of you, because they I was pitched. They were like, hey, this is what she does. I read the book. I'm like, yeah, actually, this is great. The number of really big name celebrities who endorse you is pretty mm-hmm. extensive. Like people I've never heard talk about spiritual things or seeing anybody this like- this is not any more spiritual than I the know, bowel but- movement. <laughs> it's all spiritual. I Oh, no, I totally get this. But I it was like the most I had ever seen. How did you get into- was that something you accidentally fell into where you were reading? I completely like that? accidentally fell because I'm someone who I'm now married to a screenwriter and t- TV writer who, who was a journalist and was a musician before that. He's just Stephen Schiff. My students know him as Delicious Stephen because he's so cute eating. So I post all these photos of his, him eating. And it, so everyone says there's actually a, a hashtag Stephen eating. But I was someone who I was not allowed to watch movies. We didn't have a TV. We were supposed to read. My father had me signed something when I was 10 that said I would remain a virgin until I was 35 or had won the 
uh, Nobel Prize the earlier of the Dear. two events. God. So, I mean, it was not a career choice I was allowed to have. You know, so entertainment was completely uh, novel to me. Very early on, even in school, there was an awareness that I didn't have, but adults around me had, that that I knew things. And so people would ask me actually really inappropriate questions, and I would give them the answer, not understanding even what I was saying or when I did, being often very embarrassed. So I, I, I magnetized people who had access. And some of, the, some of the people were generous enough to actually, when I did kind of come out of the closet with this and understand that this was even a this, some of them were generous enough to kind of take a risk because it, it is a big deal. It's not like saying, yeah, I go to the dentist. I mean, it's a weird thing. You know, what I do is less weird now, but certainly in 1995, yeah. it was pretty yeah. damn weird. And the first person who was ever public about me was Rosanna Arquette in the early 80s. Wow. And she's just a super generous person. That's yeah. just who she is. If you were reading for like an actor or a musician, what kinds of, are they asking a question or they're just saying, what do you see for next year? Sometimes it's what do you see, but a lot of the times, I mean, I tend to work with a structure. I'm not feeling well, what's going on? Or uh, I'm taking this project, what's going to go right, what's going to go wrong, how much can I ask for it? I say that I only do business, but of course, I've been reading the same people for 40 years, so I do everything. This is who your, you know, this is who your fetus is going to grow up to be. Uh, this is where you need to send him for college. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, it is a boy. You know, it's. Um, <laughs> Danny Moore tells a story of. I can only tell stories people have told of when we met, and I base and she 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 wrote this who in one this? of my sorry. books, Demi Moore, oh. where I think she didn't know she was pregnant, and I said, uh, yeah, you know, and I'm about to see that little girl's where I'm going after you is to see the little baby's baby. Oh, I just uh, randomly just saw her nursery was like advertised and it was so beautiful. Oh, and I was like, I mean, oh, well, this and, is a dream. And it's, you know, it's really amazing when you see, you know, when, when Demi and I met, she was a girl and she was, and we were at that age where a couple years younger is like, oh, you're a child. Yeah. I'm 23, you're 20. <laughs> yeah. Please. Time will tell. You know, she wrote an amazing book called Inside Out to me, which was a New York Times bestseller, number one New York Times bestseller, that really does tell like the, the dark side of her journey, talking about devil cards. But it's incredible to see this huge talent and this huge beauty produce this huge talent. I mean, rumor sings, rumor acts, rumor dances. I mean, she's artistic. She's creative. She's beautiful. She's it, it just herself yeah. in such an amazing way. I know she's a mom. Yeah. And it's just, it is the upside of getting older is just seeing how life unfolds. Yeah. So cool. I have to ask before we wrap up, law of attraction, manifestation, such popular topics in the last couple of years. What are your opinions on those? Very cute words. <laughs> Super magicalized. Yeah. When I put water in an ice tray and put it in a freezer, I have manifested an ice cube. Manifesting means making something happen. I think it's really good that people are focused on making something happen. And at the top of every hour, my group actually does a manifestation moment, but I tease them about it because I'm saying, you're just making something happen. The law of attraction, in a strange way, I think it, it I, I don't know about it. I don't really know what it means. People use it for so many things. But the reality is, if you're a rageful person, rageful people probably have your answer. 
because they've been looking for it. Don't avoid them. We are given an operating system genetically and in the first six years of life when we form our egos. It is really blessed work to work in our, on ourselves and work in reference to our environment and others. And as we do that, we naturally interface with different things. We're all living in a different world. You can be in the same block and you're all in a different world. I do think that there are laws, and I think we recreate them all the time. I think that there is this tendency to magicalize. And what magicalizing does is, A, there are all these mistakes we can make. It also creates good billion-dollar industries. <laughs> but magicalizing also obscures the fact we are the alchemists, we are the magic wands, we are the magic and magic is imperfect because you cannot create something new if there's no kink. We go back to the omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent doesn't change. Mm. So if you like what you have, you can stay with that. But if not, you can do something different. You, We are unbelievably powerful. And when you, when you look at stories of a lot of the celebrities, for example, when you look at Demi's story, oh my God, it's a miracle this woman's alive, let alone thriving, teaching, mothering, grandmothering, creating. You look at these stories of, I have this list and I have such a bad memory that I can't remember who they are, but lists of people who after, after the age of 50, 60, 70, recreated their lives. I'm going to be 65 years old in March. I'm embarking on a whole new teaching because I love intuition. I want to teach it for the rest of my life because I want to make everybody just like me. But I've learned that being me had its problems. And my new book is how to not be me. Yeah. It's the tools that I found to create what I want and not what I've had. Cool. You know, And I think that we all do that all the time. And a little bit of generosity goes a long way. And when you see all of those things on my website of people saying nice things, that's their generosity. Can you read me? Is that a thing I that you would, do or does that feel like a parlor trick? Uh, it, it's not that it's a parlor trick. It's that people's lives are precious. Mm. So there's rarely someone who escapes without reading. I would never do it. Do you know how many TV shows I'm pitched where they want me to read somebody like, you know, and, and work on their lives? Um, I actually read you before I of came. Of course. Well, the thing is, so I know happy. you read me. I'm just like, what'd you get? I would never. You know what? You are precious. I would never reveal your life on camera, ever. I, I did once by mistake, and it got so much press, I predicted the credit crunch in 2009 or something by accident on an Irish oh, radio right. station. Yeah. I got so much press for it, but actually it was the most unethical. It was a, it was a sort of vocal it fart. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was not. It was not an okay thing to do. So I don't, you know, it, it's interesting. I just had an article come out. And I don't know why, but I was really, I, I couldn't stop myself. I tried to stay a little vague, but I couldn't stop myself. But I really liked her. And she has a this great newsletter about being a mom from London in LA. And she was so generous because she actually shared a lot of what I had said in an article and in a podcast. I, I end up reading ev everybody, but I always do it in private because people's information is private. Yeah. And people don't realize how accurate. I don't even when I'm reading. Right. I just, I'm just reporting. I don't realize 
that I may be outing somebody yeah. or I may be speaking about a deal that nobody knows about yet. That's for you. Yeah. Um, and and so I don't I don't do that. And also, who wants to make a mistake in public? Right. I I do actually when I do a live events, I do read the audience, but I have a rule that if you don't want to, and I try to keep it vague enough so no one but the person knows what I'm talking about. But I have a rule if I if I point to you and you want me to shut up, you put up your hand. Nice. That's well, a long way of saying no, I would never do that. <laughs> well, if people are listening to this and they want to take your workshop, either the nice workshop or the one that's harder, can you tell them where they can find all of your info online? The lauraday.com. The best thing to do is sign up for the newsletter because I'll you know, have a, a client who needs something in LA and I'll call Soho House and say, oh, can you put up, Soho House has been wonderful with me. Uh, Vanessa there puts up free workshops all the time, gives me space and people can come and Ooh. I get a guest list. So sign up for the newsletter at lauraday.com. Also, Laura Day and Tuit at Instagram. It's a different time every day, but if you want to see my pajamas, we exchange readings. My professional students uh, who are really trained and who I send clients to do free readings there because the way that I see that they're still reading well is by the readings they do for others. So it's a great way, but we don't let you sit back. Maybe the first time, maybe the second time, the third time we expect you to read. And we have a short video online for you to do that. Cool. This has been such a treat. This there was really so much nice. information I heard that I wanted to be like, wait, and that, and that. So I'm proud of myself for not following every tangent because I could have talked to you for six hours. So. And I can go on every tangent. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you Thank so much you. for hanging out. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. It's been great. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas, Register today at thisisils.org.